Hey everyone, welcome to the More to Movement podcast. In today's episode, I am covering seven vital principles for training success. Whether you've been training yourself or been training clients for some time and just want to do a quick gut check to ensure you aren't missing anything, or if you're just starting out, revisiting these seven principles ensures you're on the right path. Let's get started. Welcome to the More to Movement podcast, where we break down the science behind movement and provide you with tangible takeaways so you can take charge of your health and fitness and achieve lasting results. If you're ready to optimize your efforts, move with purpose, and invest in your health and performance with confidence and vigor, you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Pete Rowletter. Hey movers, welcome back to the show, the show about why your movement matters, how to get optimal outcomes through science-backed practical solutions, and the mindset required to level up your results. You know, it's really easy to overlook the basic things sometimes. We all do it, and we do it all the time. And it's natural. You know, once we learn something foundational, it's pretty normal to build upon it and move on. But with anything we learn, it's always good, and it's a good idea to recheck that foundation, to make sure that we are still consistent, or further, to reinforce its strength. I love the concept of revisiting the basics, but don't take my word for it. The late Kobe Bryant was asked one time by an interviewer, why do you think you're the greatest player in the world? And you know what his response was? I love it. His response, because I never get bored with the basics. Arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time, always revisited the foundation of his craft. He never took anything for granted. And by taking time for the basics, he could reinforce what made him great. You know, and the same goes for us. When training, it's easy to get caught up on the next best exercise, how much we lift or how much weight we've lost. And none of that's bad, absolutely not. None of that's bad, but sometimes, we get too fixated on the outcome and lose sight of the foundation that will make those outcomes efficient and lasting. So today, I am chatting about seven vital principles that should always be considered when training to make sure that we're on our surest path to success. So let's jump right into the list. Number one, recovery. Okay, right now you're thinking, okay, I gotta fast forward this because I know recovery is important, but Let's talk about it just for a moment. Why do we train? Because we want to achieve some type of adaptation. Of course, the time in the gym creates the stimulus for that change, but how the body physiologically responds to that stimulus is what really matters. Right there, most people think it's all about the gym, but really, it's about your response to the gym. That is where those changes take place. Recovery is the catalyst for those changes. Recovery is significantly overlooked, significantly overlooked. And in some circles, it's considered a weakness. To actually recover and take time to recover is considered a weakness. But recovery is the furthest thing from weakness. It literally leads to strength. I kind of think that that is a unique unique comparison there that recovery is weakness when really it is the thing that leads to strength. Kind of a contradiction there. One of the first things you should consider when designing your programs and considering your loading structures is how much time you will dedicate to recovery. 
Now, recovery doesn't mean off days or lazy days. I think that's where we go wrong in industries. When we hear recovery, we think lay on a couch and just do nothing. That, that's not what I mean by recovery. Now, of course, it means deciding how many days we'll train in a week, for sure. We gotta think about our volume and, and its impact on our body. But it goes beyond that. It also means deciding how hard you'll train in those sessions. Further, it's about what things you'll do to enhance the necessary physiological adaptations. So this includes things like hydration, your nutritional intake, your stress management, and your sleep. Of course, your sleep. Let's be real, for most people, this is actually more difficult to manage than getting to the gym. So it's time to have a heart to heart with yourself or your client about your recovery modalities. You gotta ask, are you doing everything you can outside of the gym to support the goals you're after? What changes do you need to make to support recovery? Do you need to be disciplined and have a hard lights out bedtime to actually ensure you're getting the rest you need? Do you need reminders on your phone to eat or to hydrate throughout the day? Do you need to commit to stress management strategies like yoga or meditation? Do you make yourself take 10 minutes at the end of your training to focus on mobility or stretching or something that will enhance that recovery? Recovery is vital to results, so you have to ensure that you're not underestimating its impact. And all the things that I listed are essential. There is no shame in investing in the things that will help you focus on recovery, whether it's a reminder or some type of accountability system. These are the things that will stimulate those adaptations that you're after. Of course, we have to have the stimulus in the gym, but those don't come without that physiological response in recovery. And so we cannot overlook recovery. So as simple as this one is, it is vital that we focus on it. So number one was recovery. Number two, reversibility. Reversibility. As easy as this one is, it's incredibly important to revisit. It's a great reminder that what we gain can be lost. It's that simple. The body will take the path of least resistance. And if that adaptation that you're seeking is no longer happening, so if you are no longer creating the adaptations by stimulating the body, it will revert to what's comfortable. This principle simply reminds us that progression and regression both occur based on how we train or how we're not training. So don't get too complacent and always consider ways to continue improving. Even maintaining a moderate level of stimulus can support your improvement. So don't overlook reversibility. Number three, consistency. This principle contributes to the previous one that we just talked about. And as simple as this one is, it fundamentally impacts results. You can have the absolute best program in the world, but if your training is hit or miss, it won't yield the results you're after. Simple as that. If you are not consistent, you will not attain those goals you're after. Although I am all about efficiency and doing the right things, sometimes just doing something rather than nothing is better. 
Of course, if you've listened to me before, I am all about efficiency. That's like my favorite word when it comes to programming and to training is moving efficiently and optimally, you know, and that's great. But if you're not doing it very often, sometimes I would rather you, I would rather take you doing just a little bit of something consistently and it not being crazy efficient than the hit or miss efficient workout. That makes sense. Consistency matters. Now, obviously, ideally, you want to be efficient and consistent. Sure, that's that's the ideal that we're after. But really, consistency is so important. It's easy to fall into the all or nothing mindset with your training. I know I am super guilty of that. What that simply means is that if you can't train exactly how you planned, then it's not worth it. You know, like I said, I have fallen into this trap many times before, and it's taken a lot of work for me to adapt and to pivot and to sustain my training, even though I can't do potentially what I wanted to do that day. You know, life happens, right? Life happens, schedules conflict, there are issues that arise, overbookings, you get busy, you didn't sleep last night, whatever it is, sometimes you just can't train like you planned to. And in the past, in the past, I would have said, now I'm just gonna skip today. I'm gonna skip it, I'll get my mind right. You know, when I have that full hour and a half, two hours to really hit it, that's when it'll matter. Not anymore. Used to be that I would only have, if I only had 15 minutes to train because something happened, I'd say no. And I would skip it because it wasn't what I wanted or I felt that was effective. But now I change that because if that mindset of I have to do it a certain way every single time where it doesn't matter happens too often, our training simply becomes inconsistent, which can lead to those decreased results as we were just talking about. As I said, consistency matters. If you find yourself in a circumstance like I just described, adapt. Do something that will still create a stimulus, albeit not what you intended, but keeps you consistent with your training schedule. That's a hard pill to swallow for some of us. I know it took a long time for me to to really adapt to that, especially if I had a specific training protocol that I really wanted to do and just didn't either A, have the time to do, or B, the capacity to complete it. So with this circumstance, maybe you focus on exercises that will lead to a quick fatigue response, such as isometric or eccentric training, if you're you're short on time or you don't have the energy to really hit a long training, training session. Perhaps you use that time more as recovery. We just talked about that by focusing on improving mobility and that, you know, that overactive or that hypertonic tissue or improving joint mobility. Again, it's not a loss. It's still contributing to your overall goal, but it's a bit different than what you had planned. But the key word here, it's consistent. You are consistently training. Frame your mind to stay consistent with your commitment to training. and It'll make a huge difference. So that was number three, consistency. On to number four, number four, variation, variation. Variation refers to more than just changing the exercises you do each day. You can have a consistent training schedule of the same exercises, but still significantly vary your training. When we think of variety, we think of exercises only, but it goes well beyond that. 
Variation refers to the demands you put on your body by manipulating different training variables. And those variables can change. Everything from exercises you select, of course, but repetitions and set patterns, load or the type of load you're using, the order of your exercises, or even your rest time can be manipulated to change and, and create variation. Each of these variables will elicit a response. So continually modifying them continues to challenge the body, leading to those adaptations that you want. Further, variation can also refer to the methods in which you train. So we talked about variables, but let's talk about the methods. For example, try free weights if you train mostly with cables or machines. Change the method. If you focus on isolation exercises mostly, change it by, add, change it by adding some compound or some multi-joint movements. If you've had the same training splits through your week, maybe you train five days a week, maybe it's three days a week, maybe it's a push-pull leg, uh, maybe it's upper body, lower body, whatever your split is, change the days you train and train those muscles differently or mix it up by adding new and different exercises. And that's something that I do. I'm a big fan of adding a variation to an exercise that I'm doing for that day so that I have a new stimulus that challenges the body. I always end my training days. This is the way that I do it. I always end my training days with one different exercise just to add that challenge, just to add some variation, and of course fun, right? Sometimes it's fun to just add something different and unique, but still focused on that muscle group or muscle groups that I'm training that day. I call them movement mix-ups, kind of a fun little, fun little phrase, movement mix-ups because it gives me what I just told you, challenge, variation, and fun. Movement mix-ups. And I post one to my Instagram account weekly. So if you're interested in checking out uh, kind of a variation spotlight uh, of exercises each week, you can check out my Instagram. It's my handle's pete.roleter, P-E-T-E dot R-O-H-L-E-D-E-R. And maybe get some ideas. Maybe get some ideas. Again, they may be for you, maybe not. But again, I like to post them just to show you that I'm doing something different on the regular. I'm doing something different to stimulate change and to add some variation. Any subtle changes will elicit a response, and that's important. And these responses can help lead to optimum outcomes. You're only limited by your creativity, so have fun and add some purposeful variations to your training. Purposeful is the key word there. Moving right along, we are on to number five. Number five is individualization. Individualization. Individualization is important because achieving health and fitness goals are not one size fits all. Continually fine tuning our approach based on several feedback and responses to your training will optimize your results. Of course, there are general approaches like lifting heavy weight will develop strength and high repetitions will develop endurance, no doubt but how each person responds to these training modalities differs based on training status, based on recovery, and based on technique mastery, or even mobility limitations. So we must take the time to individualize our training programs and structures. It could be as simple as adapting exercises to fit specific needs, or even changing the way we execute movements to target certain fibers of muscle. 
So we don't even have to change the entire exercise, but just how we execute the pattern. We can modify a movement to accommodate those that are struggling to execute a movement. So we can regress, regress a movement, change it so that it's more accommodating. Without individualization, it stays general and somewhat generic, which may still provide results, but it may not be the best approach for specific desired outcomes. So keep tuned into your training and how you are progressing. That's gonna give you a lot of insight onto what you need to individualize. And often check to make sure that you are accomplishing what you're setting out to achieve, that you're not just checking a box, getting through a workout, that you're actually taking steps closer to those goals you've set with your training protocols. Make that workout work for you. Very important, number five, individualization. Number six, specificity, specificity. If my goal is to be a better swimmer, will performing only lap pull downs or barbell rolls help me reach that goal of being a better swimmer? In short, no. These exercises, of course, will provide potential benefits that could help me improve the musculature involved in swimming. But if I wanna be a better swimmer, spoiler alert, I need to swim. Specificity. If you want to develop a particular trait or goal, you need to train for that outcome in ways that will directly impact it. That does require some investment in understanding what constitutes your goal. When you're programming, I suggest you run down a list of questions that will help you narrow your approach. Here are a few guiding questions that you can use. Number one, what primary component will lead to my goal? Number two, what specific muscles need to be targeted? Number three, what exercises will best develop them? Number four, are there movement patterns that should be reinforced? Number five, what energy systems will best develop this trait? And number six, what intensity do I train at to elicit the adaptations needed? The details matter. If you want efficient results, you have to train efficiently, and that means having purpose and intent with your approach. Check to make sure specificity is factored in to your training approach. And last but not least, progressive overload. Progressive overload is exactly what it sounds like, continually doing more in some way to challenge the system but it won't work if there's no rhyme or reason. Training intensities, volumes, and bioenergetic specificity have to be systematically and rationally alternated to provide the best possible training outcomes. You have to be exposed to a systematic and progressive increase in training stimuli designed to elevate physiological performance capacity. We call this crossing the threshold of adaptation, the threshold of adaptation. It's the point at which the stimulus was enough to trigger an adaptation. Think of it like this. Maybe you had a sibling or a friend when you were a kid who was just trying to annoy you, get under your skin a bit. And I know with my brothers, I'm the oldest, I'm the oldest of four, so I've got three younger brothers. My go-to with my brothers was getting my finger as close to touching their face, but without actually touching it, right? And then of course saying, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. 
I know, right? You can visualize it. Totally annoying, right? They would sit there, you know, for a few minutes or a few times until finally it was just too much for them and they reached their threshold of tolerance and acted, usually by lunging at me or yelling for mom and dad to get me in trouble. Silly example, I know, right? But it does help drive home this point that if we don't create enough physiological stimulus with our training, our body will not adapt as effectively as we want. We have to trigger it a bit. Our training needs to hit that threshold for substantial improvements to be made. This really is a key to improvement. There's no way around it. The process is simple, but it's not easy. The process is really as follows. You increase the stimulus or the load in some way. You have adaptation and that adaptation leads to performance improvement. But of course, this has to be strategic and your stimulus must be appropriate. If the load is always the same, so you never change anything about your training and load doesn't necessarily just mean weight, it can be that overall stimulus, the load on your body. So if nothing changes, you will see adaptations early. They will occur early, but then they'll level off, which is extremely common, right? That's that plateauing effect. The plateau happens when the following happens. There's a lack of stimulus. We lead to a plateau because the body no longer has to adapt to a stimulus. So we see a lack of improvement. Now, on the other side of this, or on the other hand, if the stimulus is not planned appropriately and load is excessive or excessive too often and fatigue is not mitigated, maladaptation occurs in the following pattern. Excessive stimulus, so too much load on the body, overall load and stimulus on the body, will lead to maladaptation because we're not recovering, which will see actually a decrease in performance which is also very common, that go hard or go home mentality of just pushing, pushing, pushing without allowing for recovery, which we talked about earlier, will lead to maladaptation. The important thing to remember is that training is only beneficial if it overloads the body in a way that stimulates adaptation. The body must be challenged enough to recognize it needs to accommodate this stress. I call it shocking the status quo. I like that because it kind of gives you a visual. So when I'm talking with my clients or I'm consulting or I'm talking with students, I like to use that verbiage. I like to say shock the status quo because it, it really drives that point home that we have to shank things up a bit. Another way to say it is to disrupt homeostasis within the body. If the stimulus does not induce a sufficient physiological challenge, no increase in adaptation can be expected. And this can be done numerous ways, many of which I'll discuss in future episodes. So stay tuned for that. But for now, consider the most accessible means of overload in your training, your variables. That's one of the most accessible things that you can modify to make these changes. Most people think of the load you use simply as weight, but it can also include your sets, your repetitions and your rest times. It's amazing how impactful changing just those variables can be. So experiment with them and keep it simple at first. So next time you train, next time you go, just simply 
decrease the rest time between all your sets and make sure it fits your goal obviously so if you're if you're training for for strength obviously only resting 10 seconds is is really not going to reinforce that goal but modify your rest just a little bit if you're typically resting five minutes between sets try two and a half see what happens so next time just decrease your rest between all sets and exercises and notice how differently your body responds you could add sets or change your rep scheme anything that will continue to challenge the system and again i brought this up earlier but i need to caution you that it isn't a go all out or go home mentality meaning that every training day is a hundred percent it's not possible i know that we we think it's possible but it's not possible because your fatigue will accumulate so fast that you'll have no choice but to either take more rest days or decrease your intensity we cannot train all out every single day remember it's about reaching that threshold of adaptation which means it's just enough to stimulate beyond that level and that's sufficient so be strategic about the days you'll train at higher intensities and find ways to still stimulate adaptation on your lower intensity days a simple question to ask each time you train simple am i challenging myself more this time than last time in some way and if so you're on the right path towards shocking that status quo all right there you have it seven vital principles for training success so to quickly review they are recovery reversibility consistency variation individualization specificity and progressive overload so i strongly suggest you take a moment to review these seven principles and ask yourself if you're training optimally with these in mind and if not make a few modifications to your approach so that you can get most the most out of your training it never hurts to reinvest in yourself it never hurts to grow and it never hurts to learn ever ever so give it a shot see if this improves your approach or your approach to your clients training hey thanks so much for tuning in as always it means so much that you all are listening and i do appreciate it if if you dig this content you can head over to moremovement.com email to sign up for a weekly email with a dose of the means and the mindset to level up your fitness your movement and your life if you want to stay connected please do so again that is moretomovement.com slash email. As always, I look forward to chatting with you all next time. Take care of yourselves. And remember, wherever you are, keep moving. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of More to Movement with your host, Pete Rowletter. If you enjoyed the show, please visit moretomovement.com where you can find this episode's show notes along with more episodes and articles to empower you on your journey.